there this week talking about Turning Red, which debuted exclusively on Disney+. Plus. Well, not exclusively. Yeah. I mean, yeah. exclusively, yeah. but I mean, did everybody uh, watch it on yeah. Disney+. Plus? You know, uh, if, if unless you're, you're, you're flying the old cross and bones. Well, what happened uh, with me is my neighbors have one of those projectors, uh-huh, and they were having yeah. family movie night, and I just Perfect. looked over the fence. Mm-hmm. Just... Just got, to, got the binoculars yeah, going. That's what I'm Unfortunately, to. he didn't yeah. didn't keep he didn't stop after the movie. <laughs> just right. yeah, the ladder's there. The ladder was already there, so I mean, <laughs> already had the setup. It's just they're cool with it. It's it's fine. Yeah, um, I mean, he's lived in that neighborhood like three weeks. Yeah, ago. it's been yeah, almost almost ten days. Yeah, now, so <laughs> I'm good. I think. Think of all the. The next door that's happening right now about Kent. Uh, that's that's good, man. It's good. Um, way way to welcome yourself and and ingratiate yourself into the neighborhood. It's good. Um, we're gonna talk Turning Red. I'm here. You you heard Kent. You heard Richard. We're all here. It's a Pixar movie. Um, I love Pixar. Richard hates Pixar. That's his stance, right? He's, yeah, he's and it's very... not like I don't like animation. I just there's a lot of other studios I prefer. Yeah. I just don't think they're that good at it. Mm-hmm. No. Right. Love all Pixar's DreamWorks, but uh, yeah, all, no but Pixar. like new DreamWorks, not <laughs> not Shrek yeah. era. Every day he's like, "Y'all seen the new Spirit?" And I'm like, "Dude, come on, you gotta like." Chill. No, I like uh, I like P- Pixar is good. I just I'm not a big animation guy, but th- that's okay. I'm wrong, as I always say. Maybe we talk a little business here before we get into the movie. Feels feels a bit odd. Like I get pandemic and all that stuff, and we're still obviously dealing with it, and other countries are dealing with it more right now. We'll get another wave of it here in a bit, I'm sure. But like in the pandemic times, uh, we've had Soul go straight to Disney Plus, but you get it because it's 2020, and you want to get the movie out. And we were very thankful for that because it was like nice to have a really good movie to talk about uh, during that, that time period. And then Luca goes straight to Disney plus as well, mm-hmm. which felt like a bit of an odd choice. But again, you say, well, it was kind of uncertain when they set that, but they did open Raya, the last dragon in theaters and then just sent Luca straight to Disney. And now we're, we're in the, this period where um, again, not to say that the pandemic is over by any means, but it, it does feel like a lull right now. And uh, I, I would say too a fairly predictable lull given the data that we had um, when they set this thing, and and yet still we're sitting, we're, we're getting, uh, we're getting Disney Plus only. Now they're gonna they're gonna break that in in June with Lightyear, which they're they're pushing pretty hard. But it 
seems a bit odd. I don't know, Richard, you're our business guy. This, this seems like a, yeah. like a bit of a strange choice to me. Yeah, I think they're they're it's got to be some kind of like AB test that they're running as a company and figuring out, you know, what the overall you know, look, I mean, the stock market has said that they are incentivizing growth of subscribers more than box office numbers mm-hmm. for share prices, mm-hmm. right? So sure. they're definitely going to find things to to there has been a bump every time there's uh, new, especially Pixar content, Disney Plus, it gets a bump of subscribers. While that may be less revenue than a box office release, it raises the stock in more and mm-hmm. thus creates more windfall for investors and all that. Mm. I know p- the Pixar people are not that pleased with it. I mean, they kind of operate, yeah. yes, they are Disney owned, but they kind of operate in their own world and they work really hard on these things. And I would assume that they would like to see some sort of, sort of theatrical release, which I think. It's totally understandable. I do think that creatives might need to start getting over that a bit. Like, I have to see my movie in the movie theater. Just, it, that sucks, but that might be not, and I'm not saying they're being petulant or anything at all. I just mean as the new world of entertainment goes on that might, might, people might get less and less patient for like, but uh, you, you said it would be in theaters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think they definitely have a, have a case here, especially with these later few. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, there have been animated movies that have come out. You know, Sonic is going to be the next big test on it. I think there's been because kids were not able and are not able to get vaccinated. Those films have not. It's not as easy to release those in theaters in a lot of areas, um, and and have people feel comfortable enough people to feel comfortable going that it can really hit hurt the box office. So I think there's a lot of factors here. And I, I understand the Pixar complaint and they have the other complaints too with like the political stuff in Florida that the mm-hmm. new CEO has not been really, you know, there's a lot of like turmoil. Not, I mean, it's Disney. They're fine. But uh, in terms of oh, that, new, that new CEO is definitely, he's yeah. knocking it out of the park. I mean, yeah. Bob, <laughs> he's, he's Bob too is, is doing good. Yeah. He is having Bob's. a rough go. And it's part of it too is I think there was a real, um, respect for Iger and I think that's yeah. a tough job for yeah, anybody to step into and then some of it is like self uh, mutilation and, and maybe he'll <laughs> recover from that and maybe he won't but uh, yeah so there's a lot of things going on so it'll be interesting Lightyear will be real interesting t- that's just such a bigger property than something like Luca or this for or sure. be- because of the for existing sure. it's more of a Marvel model than mm-hmm. a Pixar model yeah. that makes for sense sure. here's my um, my thought on this and I mean, the, the movies you named, Brian, Soul, Luca, Turning Red, I mean, those are all movies that probably aren't going to have a sequel and don't have, I guess, that marketability yeah. really that Pixar is used to with, you know, Finding Nemo and Cars and even Lightyear. So I think they don't see the ceiling as as big when it comes to the impact that it can make globally and, and all of that. So right. why spend all the money? to get it out there and market the hell out of it. If um, it just doesn't have that potential at the end of the day, <laughs> it's just not one of those movies and not every movie is, so that's fine. But mm-hmm. Lightyear is, and Lightyear is going to be in the box office and the toys are going to be everywhere and the marketing is going to be everywhere and, yeah. and that's fine. So maybe I think Pixar should see the writing on the wall now, maybe that some of these smaller, more passion project type movies aren't mm-hmm. going to be theatrically released and they're going to have to go for more. And that might suck. That might take away from the storytelling, right? They're going to have to go for these. Oh, well, what are the action figures going to be? You know, that those kinds of things. What's the sequel sure. look like for for Turning Red? I don't know. I mean, mm. that's a, that's this is not a movie I expect to see a sequel for. Soul is not a movie I expect to see a sequel for. You know, so I think that's 
where I fall on it is mm-hmm. um, it's more of a marketing choice than anything. Yeah, it's going to be interesting too because this is a this is kind of a down year, quote unquote, for Disney because they don't have. There's not a Star Wars movie. The the uh, I mean, obviously they have several uh, Marvel movies and whatnot, so they'll do fine with all that. But none of them are a Spider Man movie. So yeah, w- you know, we'll see uh, or an, you know a, a quote unquote. A, a even Ryan the Last Dragon movie. had that market that that wide appeal. I think so. Ryan was very me. easy to market. That right. was like a really. I mean that that movie is 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 sort of. I mean, catered. I mean, I know it's Disney movies, so they're all catered to kids. But that one was really, really catered to to do well with all demographics, and yeah, and was very successful on that front. But they also, too, I would say they would they pushed it. Luca, interestingly, you know, having a kid and having a lot of a lot of friends who have kids and stuff, there was very, very little uh, merchandise, toys, whatever, out there on Luca, and and I think that was. That was a miss on their part because it yeah. was kids. Love I it. had like uh, nephew, niece, and nephew that wanted Lucas stuff for Christmas, couldn't get it. Had friends' kids that wanted mm-hmm. Lucas stuff, couldn't get it. It was it was a very odd choice um, on their on that that front. There, I have the pasta maker, yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. yeah, which is delicious, but kind of a weird choice. I do have the wine. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a Sangiovese. It's a great. Mm-hmm. It's they didn't do a great job of differentiating that. Yeah, that that was for adults too. So it was. <laughs> it is strange. in a sippy cup. It's that wrapped was. in a Hawaiian shirt, like John Lasseter. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, but they also. I mean, there's no live action remake this year. There's um, yeah. the only Disney animated property is is currently slated for like late November, and it it doesn't have any voice cast yet. So I kind of think that's getting pushed to yeah. a different. Thor three years. will be big. Yeah. Will be That'll be and, it. Won't and, uh, be Spider Man big, but I could see right. that doing if it's got the buzz that Ragonk mm-hmm. had, Ragnarok had. Then I think it'll get ninety yeah. percent of the Spider Man money. I bet. Yeah. So it'll be. It's just interesting. I you always think with Disney because you're right, Richard. Like there's always there's they're very smart at what they do. There's always an algorithm. There's always something that they're they're trying out. Yeah, and um, even if they don't know, they're testing. You know, they're saying yes, we're gonna yes. we're gonna do a test with this and see what this does overall. How much yes. money does this create in terms of right. subscribers, stock price, all that thing? Let's put that into a sell on Excel and then let's do another one where we release in box office and see how much profit that, you know, revenue is one thing, but profit's another thing. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let, you know, and they're, they're running all that. And so it always gets messy when the leading, um, you know, creative company in, in the industry is also a, a big publicly traded company multi-channel in terms of like they own a ton of assets and theme parks all conglomerate these so, yeah yeah that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. these things get messy sometimes and like sometimes um not having you know theatrical release is part of it but I, I this one especially of all of them seemed like mostly because of the the subject matter and i went and saw this alone i made this joke to you guys earlier i was so glad i didn't have to solo to this <laughs> as a 35 year old mm-hmm. dude mm-hmm. by himself at 2 p.m on a tuesday yeah, exactly. just like what exactly. is this guy doing <laughs> yeah. exactly so i was all for the 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 disney plus on this one but uh mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it's going to be a re- we've talked about this and tried to like preview this for years now even before covid of like there's gonna be i think it's for sure now there's going to be a place for at least in the short future in the next five to ten years mm-hmm. a place for theatrical release but it is going to be different it's only going to be certain yeah. films and i think it's only going to be certain theaters meaning there's not going to be 20 
movie theaters in a little, you know, in a town. Right. There's going to be like five, I think. And yeah. because they're just not going to need the screens that they have. So I think there will be a big consolidation of theaters. But I think that certain things we have proven, which is great, that people still um, want to go see, mm-hmm. and you know, in a group. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get into the movie itself. Um, I was uh, I was excited about this because I'm always excited about about a Pixar property. Um, and and Coop, they did a pretty good pretty good job of marketing it to to the kids. Uh, Coop Coop was well aware of of turning red. Nice. You know, like a month ago or whatever it was just like, what, when does turning red come out? Like he was, he's very pumped. Coop is really into, um, animals at the, right now. Like that's, that's his, his big jam. So he's what? Uh, 26, 27 uh-huh, now? Yeah, 27, 27. Yeah. Um, he'll, he'll grow up. He'll mature eventually. I, I think I got, yeah, I got he'll, he'll, definitely. he'll move out soon. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have let him hang out with Corey so much, you know, at a younger age. That well, was, that was my fault. Um, that's on Corey- me collide <laughs> i'll be better uh yeah i i was so i was i was a, obviously aware of this i know you boys were as well but i i there was a lot of excitement in my house um leading up to this but uh i don't know what about you kent where were you on was this just the general it's pixar so i know it, it, it is very likely to be quality or was it hmm. was there more more than that for you coming into this yeah, I think I expected it to be one of the smaller, more niche Pixar movies, mm-hmm. one of the yeah. the lower budget B team, I would call it Pixar movies. And I'm with you, Brian. My nieces, they're both like sub five years old, uh, called me or FaceTimed me like <laughs> two weeks ago, asking me uh, about it. And when it was coming out, and I was like, it's not for another few weeks. You're going to have to wait. And they're like, okay, I think we can wait. And so they got real excited and had like a big sleepover on Friday and and watched it. And so they were looking forward to it. So it appeals to the youngsters for sure. I think uh, they love animals. They love people turning into animals. And so there's like a, that's a Mm -hmm. great combo. I loved, I'll start off with my general thoughts, Brian. Um, I loved the... Uh, aesthetic of this film i think they've knocked it out of the park the past few movies uh, luca to be specific with the production design with the color with the light uh, just with the world that they've built that are based on reality and these are real cities that they're depicting which you don't often see in in pixar they they tend to like to go for uh, i don't know more surreal <laughs> type stuff i feel like than people the Incredibles really kind of sticks out as like the one people thing and maybe up a little bit here and there. But I mean, they they tend to focus on stuff that they can take more creative liberties with. So I liked this. That's, you know, set in a real city, kind of like Luca was. The Toronto setting was was excellent. And I love this. The time period of 2002, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was I'm trying to think how old I was in 2002. I was in eighth grade. So was I this exact age? Are they in eighth grade around abouts in this movie? Ninth, seventh grade around maybe there? Uh, yeah, something like that. So uh, I, that was a, yeah, this is yeah. dead on for, uh, <laughs> for us. And I remember all this stuff. It, it, it hit home there. This is how our friends group was. The dynamic between the boys and girls in at this age is just so funny comedically. I think you can. <laughs> do a lot with it. Um, you know, obviously Bo Burnham did that with eighth grade to great success. And I thought he nailed some of the nuance 
of that humor. And this is Pixar's version of it. And I thought it was awesome. I mean, to, to center it around a boy band uh, or, you know, four girls going to see a boy band, I thought was, was great. And, and that obviously generationally people can relate with that all the way back mm-hmm. to the Beatles and everybody has that part of their childhood of something that they liked or were obsessed with, with their friends, whether it's a boy band or a video game or a sports team or what have you, that you look back and maybe you're like, man, that can't believe we were into that. And maybe that four town mm-hmm. is this for them. And there's some humor in that and trying mm-hmm. to convince your parents that this is cool and they just don't get it. And I thought the dynamic between May and her friends and May and her parents was just, was just great. And aside from all the mythological elements of this, I just loved mm-hmm. the, the real world dynamics that they played with here and, sure. and had a lot of fun, but also had a lot of sentimentality to it, of course. And the, and the signature Pixar style. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. That's true. What about you, Arby? What's your general thoughts on this? Yeah. The naturalistic stuff that Pixar does really works for me better than the fantastical mm-hmm. stuff. I loved Luca last year or whenever. Yeah, that was last year. You know, I like that. I mean, obviously there's elements, right? Just like this have, have elements of, of fantastical, but right. it's like grounded in this little more real world. Um, I think that works really well, and it brings in the the you know the wonderful thing about Pixar is that how wonderfully human it is, mm-hmm. and uh, how much these like nerds in in uh, Silicon Valley or wherever they are can, somehow yeah. uh, can connect uh, these really great human emotions to this incredible and obviously their incredible eye for story and various things. So anyway, it, this one really worked for me. I, I didn't like it as much as Luca, but I I liked it quite a bit, and I thought. I thought, yeah, I love, I love the world of it. I, I did not know. I was aware of it. It was, it was. I kind of knew what it was about. I'd seen some stuff. It had been marketed to me. I did not know until we, I watched it, um, that it was in the time period where it was. So I'm a, I'm mm-hmm. a year older than Kent. So I was like a, in 02, I was like a freshman or a sophomore, depending on when in 02 it was. And uh, so I'm a little, but still, I mean, those things, those kind of the the boy girl dichotomy and stuff goes mm-hmm. on forever. And, and uh, the scene where that. they're at the, the party and the dance or like the cha-cha slide is playing and they're on completely opposite sides of the room, just standing there was, yeah. was classic. Uh, just that middle like, school I image will be burned yeah. in everyone's brain. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's not even like an original gag, really, no, but it, it's so but it was executed so well, right. you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, the timing of, of that humor was great. So yeah, no, this is uh, I like these kind of like B team, but I don't like Ken said, but I don't mean that derogatory. These are, mm-hmm. these are fun. And then it's also an interesting way to see different filmmakers within that structure and writers and things like that. And then, you know, if something hits, then then you make ten sequels to it. But the, I mm-hmm. I do like that these are made as real one offs. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it, it it's encouraging. I and I'm I'm totally fine with doing Monsters University and getting that money if it pays for three of these. It makes it makes yeah. the kind of like yeah. frustratingly non Toy Story Pixar sequels much easier to swallow. Yeah, absolutely. I always say that. I th- I think. You know, there's sequel fatigue with Pixar that sets in every once in a while. People gripe about it, and you're like, right, but they just, you know, they just did Soul, they just right. did Onward, they just did Luca. Like these are, right. these are all movies that uh, that don't have the intellectual property that that Lightyear is going to have. Sure. Um, so, and and you're absolutely right, Richard. It's it's these movies get. I mean, this cost 175 million dollars. Wow. That gets made because Toy Story four exists, you right? Know? And so. 
if you can <laughs> if you can make all of those good too while also just milking the cow then you know good for you you're a company that's what kind right. of what you're supposed to do uh at, at the end of the day um yeah so th- that's interesting i i was uh i was it took me about half this movie to really get into the the movie itself i really dug the the concept and i i thought the messaging was was great and and i really i appreciated the um the willingness of, of Disney Pixar to kind of delve into culture and 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 real things that that are happening. I mean, obviously, the whole thing is is an allegory for this mm-hmm. girl's first period and all this sort of stuff. And that's like a pretty bold thing to do in a Pixar movie. And and for it to be, I mean, that's like the focus of the movie. It's right. very very forward on that that front and. Um, didn't make all my Facebook feed happy, uh, as you might you might guess, but but that's what. Well, we're, because if, if you just don't talk about it, it'll never happen. <laughs> exactly, they're anti bodily function. Yeah, right. Just no bodily functions exist if you don't talk about them. It's Star Wars, you know. People don't poo in Star Wars. It just doesn't exist if you don't talk yeah. about it. You know, it's a it's a big thing of yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought they did a really good job. Of, I mean, that's a that's a bold choice to make, and uh, I, I think. You know, I get that it's super. It's easy to kind of dog on Disney for being the uh, the the cor- the evil corporation that they are, but when you make something bold like that, I think that's I think it's good. We got to call that out great. too. It's really really I think, awesome. I think it shows Pixar's power, to be quite honest with you, and yeah, that they yeah. take their job seriously, and that this isn't just about money for them. And mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, I mean this this film, I think is is I felt great i don't know i didn't talk to my sister about it i assume she was fine because i didn't get any any angry texts for them watching this uh mm-hmm. or anything like that but like i think this is great for young girls and, and kids to be able to see something like this and to see how life is and it's it's real and it's awkward and it's hard and Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't beat around the bush at all when it comes to that. And there's right. no shame to, you know, removing, yes, there's yes. no, sh- removing that shame element. It's yeah. yeah. It's just, this is how it is. And everybody is kind of in the same boat together and we're all getting through it together. And, and this is just, I thought this was just incredibly poetic way to go about just the entire process of growing up, you know, that, mm-hmm. that year, that eighth grade year, like we said off the top is just so pivotal in someone's life to go from a child to basically a teenager slash adult is, yeah. I mean, yeah. so much going through your mind, whether you want to be, I mean, this movie is perfect. Do you want to be faithful to your parents and the, and the people who have brought you up for 13 years or now that you have actual aspirations of your own, do you want to pursue those? And I think that's a, yeah. a, a great choice that everybody is, is facing at that point period of their lives and this was a, was an incredibly very artistic way to go about that from a storytelling standpoint too you're you're blending um you're blending this really exciting but difficult period of life just for everybody mm. with uh the culture aspect too which isn't i mean and they hit that mm-hmm. very well as well i mean that's a that's a really that's a difficult tight tightrope to sure. to walk, and and I thought uh, Domi Shi, the, the the director and and uh, the writers. Well, I mean, that th- that's a. I mean, obviously, I think I think it's pretty clear that comes from 
uh, a per, you know, personal experience and, yeah. and, uh, you know, having, having grown up this way and whatnot, but, and, and having this story to tell. So, but, uh, but I appreciate greatly the, the way that it's done. I think it's, it's a lot more like, this is a kid's movie. Cooper loved this movie. He's watched it like three times this week. Cause it's spring break. And so it's just like, whatever, dude, do whatever you want, you know, but, um, and he's definitely not picking up on a lot of the stuff that that's here yeah. narratively and, and in the story, but that's cool, man. I mean, that's, that's, that's what, yeah. The we fact always say that with Pixar. Yeah. yeah. They do that so well of, yeah. of here's adult themes that we're talking about that, um, that the kids aren't going to get. And it's kind of told in this medium that the kids are really going to enjoy and it's pretty happy colors and funny jokes. You know what? I I appreciate about it the most and is when they do get to that time, it'll be less intimidating because it's like, Oh, I remember that from turning red. Does does that make sense? It's like it less, it makes it less weird because it was in a Disney Pixar movie that you, Mm -hmm. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like some taboo thing. That's like kept to the side. It's mainstream. Mm -hmm. It's okay. To me, that's why I appreciate it is it's like, we're not, trying to hide it it was just kind of this this was the movie it was the entire right al- allegory of what was going on and you're right it's it's great that kids can enjoy it and not really fully grasp the uh mm-hmm. i don't know the nature of the story at first and and they will and when they do i think they're going to really appreciate it yeah absolutely yeah. and it creates that empathy and like i don't know i, I mean i i don't have children but like i didn't see these really as adult themes they're like life themes that right are not appropriate or inappropriate they just are and it's okay if you don't get them and it's okay if you do right but it's not like it's a a content wall that you have to hide something behind because you can you know fight around it so i just thought i just thought that was really well executed in the you kind of try to watch it with all of these because i'm a 35 year old guy without kids that i i do when i try to review these and this is part of the reason these all these are great movies, but this is why so much animation have great other than the emoji movie have mm-hmm. great Rotten Tomatoes scores is you watch it as yourself and someone who's critical about the medium of filmmaking. And then you watch it as like, what you know, you try to watch it through the eyes of a 10 year old too. And, mm-hmm. and kind mm-hmm. of, okay, what if I didn't know about that? What would my angle be on this scene? And what if I didn't know about this? And, and uh, you know, these always check those boxes really well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, 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 that's great. It It's, I think it's totally natural. I mean, I know, I know it is. I know this is how it is for, for me as, as a parent. We, you know, we want to protect our kids from everything. And, and in the back of our minds, we know that's not possible. And you know, you have to, to, so like, I guess I, what I'm saying is I, I understand the, understand the kind of the, the tentativeness, I guess, or the like, oh, I don't know if, if we're ready to, to talk about this kind of stuff or, what if he picks up on what they're talking about, and now I have some uncomfortable questions that need to ask? But. Maybe ask you about this, but I mean, it's big. parents want to choose when their kids learn about certain things. The world yeah. doesn't work that way. Like, period. Yeah, like, you yeah, can't look, choose it, it, what your kid hears at school. You can't choose. I mean, absolutely, you can't. You can't stick. I mean, I mean, I, I know. Choose when I'm going to give do. Cooper a beer. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's my. That's between um, me. And I, and I wish it hadn't been four, but it's. <laughs> You know, it's something that we had to deal yeah, with sh- as a family. You try to get through pre cake sober, dude. <laughs> get the taste. Yeah. Get familiar with the taste. Yeah. Why are young? Are you ever? Can you imagine coloring sober? I mean, come on. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, kidding, there's, kidding, there's, there's a, way. there's a, there, there are parents that do that. There are parents that try to to stick their heads in the sand and mm-hmm. and but but I think that there are few and far between. I think most parents 
want to have open dialogue with their kid and want to be able to talk to their kids about stuff. And I get the concept of like, I just, he's not ready for that. She's not ready for this. I don't want to have that conversation yet. But I feel like the, the way to handle that is just to, I don't know, not that I'm a parenting expert, but like answer the, the, the base level questions that you can. And I'm a, I'm a big proponent. Maybe this is terrible parenting. I'm a big proponent of just being like, Hey man, you know what? I do this with movies, but like, Hey, you can see that movie when you're 12, whatever. Or, you can say that word when you're 14, whatever, like just set, set Delay some boundaries. <laughs> have the, if, if you don't feel like you're and not necessarily just with this, the, the, the topics of discussion in this movie, but if you, if you don't feel like your kid is ready to have those conversations, a know that unless they are willingly just sticking their heads in the sand, they are seeing some, they are right. seeing and hearing things and, and picking up on it and B just be like, look, this is not the time, but we will talk about that soon or start laying the very base ground level work for, you know, here's, here's what we're going to do. You don't have to, it's not like I need to sit down with eight year old Cooper and explain female anatomy to him after turning red. It's just, if there are questions that are being asked you or whatever, did, but it's on your terms, right? Yeah. You I'm want- the boss around here. That's you have a great chart. If you go to Brian's house, he has all these ages kind of put onto a big wall kind of spreadsheet. Uh, It's like, you'll see things like (laughs) cocaine 27. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Manslaughter. You and me, bro. Um, (laughs) Manslaughter. Gosh. Yeah. It's time to talk about hobos, kid. Um, The, yeah, it's, I don't know. No, I see your point. I I mean, it's a great, I I think that's a great. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand that, but it's weird to get mad at this when there are people, I don't know. It's like, how do you want to, you know, I guess I think we can maybe have a rating system instead of PG, PG 13. We could have PG, PG seven, PG eight, PG nine, PG 10, PG 11. But that seems silly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, you know, everybody probably need to relax a little bit, but yeah, like anyone gets upset about this. They're ridiculous. Like, yeah, grief. Like just, be willing. I don't know. You're going to have to have conversations at some point. So just be ready to have them. That's all. Just, yeah. or at least at the, in, in my opinion, like something like this, you kind of said it, Kent. It's, it, this should make it easier moving forward. Right. This should, this should make it to where you can be, you can draw analogies to a movie that your kid really dug or get them thinking about stuff so that when they do ask those questions, you're kind of primed for it. They're kind of primed for it. It's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. I did too love, I, I love the mom in this. I thought, I mean, I thought she was great. I thought, I thought that the, that is something that I see in, a, in sometimes in myself and in a lot of times in my, in my other friends who are parents, this like sort of, again, it's like you want, you want to protect your kid. You want what's best for him. You want to see them succeed all this sort of stuff, but you are kind of pushing, pushing back a little bit on the, when do they become autonomous, right? Like when do they become themselves? And, and so you, you tend to like hold on a little bit too long and they're do embarrassing things that you really don't see as embarrassing because you are, you, you're well-intentioned. You're doing what you think is right for the kid and all this sort of stuff. I thought that character design was perfect on that. And, and, and Sandra did a great job of voicing it, but it was, um, it was just very well, very well structured from somebody who I would guess feels that way as a parent or felt that way from her character design on this whole movie was incredible. Uh, Mm -hmm. I thought all Mm -hmm. the, the, her group of friends were all, you know, hilarious and unique in their own ways. And 
you know, them dancing to the song at the beginning and singing it together was, was super funny. Mm-hmm. And all, all of those cuts. I thought the character animation mm-hmm. uh, had its own unique quality to it. I mean, the way the, the characters walk and move and interact and it just not like a Looney Tunes way, but it had a very specific, unique quality to it. Like the whole entire physics of the movie. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. And I think those are the things that Pixar really focuses on and makes their movie special is, is the stuff that you're not really thinking about or noticing it. And it's all unconscious, but they put so much hard work into it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, Brian, if, if this is like a, one of their pitch day movies, I assume all of them are, but they have a day, I think every year where employees can come pitch movies. And to me, this, I, I think soul was definitely one of those. I know Luca was, uh, to me, this seems like one of those as well, where you've got a, a, an employee that lived, grew up and lived in Toronto and mm-hmm. has this yeah. spin on her life story in a creative way. And I think that's, I think that's awesome when they're, where they're willing to hear from their own teams and, and go places that they never thought they would go. And they're willing to, they're all ears when it comes to mm-hmm. good stories. So, yeah. you know, you hear about a lot of it, closed mindedness in studios and, it's hard to get through, but I think Pixar is really a, a creative environment. And I think you're right, Richard, that they are run by Disney. And like at the end of the day, Disney's deciding how and when their movies come out. But I think they operate as a closed space. And Bob Iger was very adamant about that when they purchased Pixar, that it would continue to remain like an independent studio and operate like its own thing and do their own thing. So. As long as they're doing that, I think they'll be fine. But um, this was, I mean, one of the stronger Pixar movies I've seen in in a long time. This is like, uh, this is this is like I like this more than Luca. This is this is like Soul. Soul was like my, my, one of my favorites in a decade, but uh, it's like slightly behind Soul for me. In nice. the most recent years, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that's interesting. I was going to ask Richard. You you mentioned you kind of like the more groundedness uh, uh-huh. in a Pixar movie. How did the the mystical element of this work for you? Yeah, it it works. I mean, look, I say that then it would be if it was just a straightforward, you know, documentarian style mm-hmm. animated film, that would be absurd. That would be like, well, why didn't you just go shoot this? On a- mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> so sure. I, I I say that to say like I I like the groundedness. To then, it, you know, there, there's a there's a paradox or a, a com- comparison between the the kind of whimsical stuff and the and the more ordinary stuff. But I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't want one that was complete. You know, I wouldn't want, sure. um, you know, Little Miss Sunshine just animated mm-hmm. for Pixar. You know, or something. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like a, a mumblecore <laughs> movie or something. I I, mm-hmm. I uh, so yeah, I, I was relieved when it when it went when it took the turn in which it took. Sure. I thought the story was a little rushed in places. It, it was, it felt like it, there was a little bit left on, on the editing floor. I mean, I know it was not for the film, but the the writing process. It felt like there was ten pages that that maybe got cut out um, through the course because it's we got to get this into a kids movie. Um, so I felt like that was a little bit. It was a little bit up and down for me on that front, and um, and I did think it, there were times where it kind of it struggled to balance the all of the various uh who is this for like 
I think there were times that it it definitely felt like a movie for eight year olds. The times where I was like, "This is way over Cooper's head." There was times where I felt like it was a little um, more parent oriented. So the blend of that was was a bit of a struggle for me. Did that sit with either of you guys, or am I am I alone in that? I felt like it was a movie more for adults that kids will like. Honestly, mm. I mean, it felt like a parenting movie. <laughs> To be quiet, I don't have kids, but sure. it felt like a lesson for the parents in the audience too, uh, maybe more so than the kids. And that's how I read into it. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I think kids probably really liked that last scene at the concert with the big, you know, battle and stuff. I thought mm-hmm. that was I thought that looked great and was really a cool moment. And then the whole scene of her basically trying to do appearances as the, uh, as the panda at school. It was a, mm-hmm. was a funny montage to me. So yeah. I don't know. I thought there were, there was enough stuff that kids would get, but I, I feel like Pixar knew what they were doing here. And I think maybe it's intentional that this one was like at home, watch it on Disney plus. Cause they knew families would be watching it together and sure. stuff like that. Sure. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I feel like more attention to detail went into that than usually does. In terms of like one for, one for the adults too, especially since setting it in two thousand two. I mean, mm-hmm. Coop was not alive yeah. in two thousand two. He would not understand the humor of that that time. Like mm-hmm. that that whole the whole part of that was just for us and the playing on the in sync sure. culture. Maybe there's some with BTS now, but like <laughs> yeah, he's I mean, a pretty big dashboard guy though. He has a Tamagotchi, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, he yeah. felt vindicated by this. So <laughs> wow, <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> dashboard popped up on my tiktok the other day i was like oh here we go baby he's here um <laughs> this is uh it was good it was good um yeah like i i thought the you you, t- you touched on it can't so we'll we'll kind of we'll go there and then we'll wrap up i i thought the the last the last act was maybe the strongest it's always good to end on a high i thought that was the strongest part of the film um i loved the the, the whole the concert scene was great and the mom losing her mind and all of the the sort of uh, the symbolism and whatnot with that and the relationship with her own mom um, and then just having uh, Maylin sort of choose to go her own way um, while still being a part of the family. I, th- I think that that really resonates as a parent of knowing that 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 is coming in some form or fashion for, you know, for my kids somewhere somewhere down the way. That was where I was the most like, I wasn't as mo- as emotionally invested in this movie as I am in most Pixar movies, to be honest. But that was, that was the aspect that, that really kind of got me as, as parent. Where did uh, this rank on the cry scale, movies. Brian? Did you, did you cry or? I did. I mean, I, I teared up, but it's a Pixar movie. What I'm not, you know, I'm like, it's impossible uh, to sit through, to sit through one that's not cars related and, and not get, uh, not get emotional, but it, it certainly was not a, uh, a sobbing the way many of these, these movies are, mm-hmm. um, you know, from whether that be the, the, the toy story movies or inside, inside out is like kind of the, the litmus test or the, the scale out against which I, I weigh most of most of my movie Christ. Cause that one, uh, just, just wrecked me. Um, but even like onward soul, both of those really got me. Um, so this one, this one was lower on that, on that front, but, but again, it, 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 I thought for me personally, the movie ended high. And so, um, that definitely, that definitely helped kind of the, the, I was with it the whole way, but the, the ending was where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, 
this is this is quite good. So, what did you think about the the the, the close, Richard? And then we'll we'll grade and get out of this. Yeah, it worked for me. I mean, I I definitely felt the uh, the tug of uh, the not nearly as like um, emotive and all of that as some of the others, but uh, you know, I immediately resented any kind of emotion and I graded it down a, a point based on that. <laughs> perfect, perfect. As one would expect. <laughs> All right, I'm ready to grade you guys. Unless you guys have in, uh, anything else to say, no. I I also like Billy Eilish doing the uh, soundtrack yeah, or fun. wrote the music that for it. Fun. So that was yeah. It's always good to have good music in one of these. Yeah, it's fun for sure, for sure. Well, can't what's your grade? I'm gonna go a solid A. Nice, nice. Arby, I'm gonna go A minus because I don't support any kind of uh, bodily functions. <laughs> Brian, what, no, A minus for me. You've been in the hospital no, multiple times because of that. Just, yep. <laughs> I have. Yep. The term impacted comes in the... Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Uh, perfect, perfect. Yeah, I, I'll go I'll go A minus as well. This is, I mean, with Pixar movies, it's, it's a really difficult scale to grade on because they have created some of, I mean, like 15 of, of, of the best movies of the last 25 years, you know, so... It's tough. This is probably mid to lower tier for me on the on the Pixar scale, but but that again, it's that would be uh, most studios better works. So um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but a big player for Coop, he's he's very high on this one. So I'm sure I will see it a dozen more times over the course of uh, of the next year or so. So there's that. And the the red pan itself, very good, great great uh, creature design. Can't I thought that was yes, it was very well done. It was cool. Looked cool and and uh, very childlike. I don't know. It, it it went very well with with the the themes of the movie. Worked very well. So it's good. All right, triple A's for turning red. Wow, Pixar couldn't have seen that coming no. at all. Uh, stay tuned, real quick. Here, let's do a let's do a quick weekly recommends, boys. Weekly recommends. All right, Kent, what do you got, man? Yeah, I'm going to recommend a TV series. It's in the midst right now. Are you guys watching The Dropout yet? Starting it Thursday. Yeah, I have not. uh, You haven't started it yet? I haven't started it yet. I uh, am kind of with you guys. We've had this conversation multiple times on the show. The Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes projects, movies, what have you, books. We've recommended them all. Um, I thought I was out on all Theranos stuff. I mean... This kind of proves, like, just give me more. Just give me all the Theranos you got. <laughs> um, I'm super into this. Amanda Seyfried's great as Elizabeth Holmes. I mean, it's hard to even see anyone else in that role, to be quite honest with you. And This can just um, be the thing, then. How about that? This can just be the Theranos. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that, if yeah. that's it. But, I mean, if they wanted to do a, a two-hour version, uh, you know, and I mean, I'd still watch it. <laughs> or another documentary series or, or whatever, but... I mean, this is great. Uh, the dropout on Hulu has been really, really fun to watch. I think the next one comes out tomorrow. I think there's going to be five out as of this week. So uh, eight total coming out. Uh, I think you'll like it. Nice. The dropout. Yeah, that's the next binge. Let me know if, what you guys think. I mean, you guys might hate it, yeah. but maybe it's just like I'm a sucker for this story, and that's why I like it. No, but, I mean, um, I'm in on it. I just didn't want another. Yeah. I didn't want the McKay doing trying to redo the big short. 
after mm. his few misses. So I'm excited for this because I love Show Walter and he's done a yes. lot of interesting shows the last couple years in this. Not necessarily like this. He's done more original kind of dramedy and things like this. So working that angle into this. And I love Amanda Seyfried. So yeah, this is the one I was like, I really hope this is good. So this can just be um, the thing. I mean, Bad Blood's obviously a great book, but I just don't need seven adaptations of it. But if this was a miss, they would have kept trying. And this, everyone says is awesome. So I, let's it feels a little bit closer to, you know, there's been 80 ripoffs of the social network since the social network. Yeah. It feels closer writing wise to some of the cut and uh, sharpness of that that had and some nice. of the courtroom scenes, you know, when they're doing the uh, interrogation, not the interrogation, but the deposition and some of that. I mean, it has some of that smart writing when it comes to the negotiations that Elizabeth Holmes has with uh, Walgreens and... You know, when she's trying to build the company, I think it's really kind of well written. It takes a little bit to get going, but once it gets going, I think it's uh, it's really nice. good. I'm, I'm excited for you guys to dig into it. Yeah, I can't wait. There, there's a uh, there's that going, and then there's this Uber series that's going too that I yeah. haven't started yet with just Gordon. That Levitt. one I've and started. You have started that one. Yeah, it's the billions guys, and it's very billionsy. Okay, it's like perfectly. It, those guys are like the king of a passing grade to me, but they, you know what I mean. It's it's yeah. uh, it's uh, solid B minus, which is fine. And then they're doing but, uh, the WeWork comes up, one comes out this week. Yeah, with let so out. Got like all three at one time. <laughs> and now three, we just uh, need a failure, uh, uh, not failure, but three tech startup uh, ones. Uber's still going, but <laughs> now we so just need um, Joe Low. We need yeah. a Joe Low series. Yeah. I know we're Joe. We need a movie pass series. What we need? I I saw Joe. Yeah, we do. We just. But it needs to be just about. It needs to be just about the director of marketing. Nothing else. (laughs) Yes. From their point of view. Um. Cool. Good. That's my recommend. The dropout. But you, Richard. Yeah, mine is a mine's a book and a movie that I I read the book last weekend, all in one sitting, uh, by Robert Harris. Um. The the ghostwriter. Which is it's just a cool, good little thriller, nothing special. I just kind of like Nicholas Cage, great, so good in that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had read Munich, which is also a Netflix movie. Now I haven't seen that yet, but uh, so I was like, I'll check another Robert Harris book out. I remember that movie coming out with with uh, Ewan McGregor and um, Pierce Brosnan, and, and either mm. like half watched it or something. But it it's a good little thriller uh, of a movie. It's Polanski, so there's that whole. Uh, it's well made, but there's the whole. You know, you hate yourself right. the whole time you're watching it. So that if that's too much for you, I get it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a cool little uh, political espionage, uh, you know, two hour. I like those kind of movies. And um, so it worked for me and the book's great, too. So if you if you don't want to support Polanski, just read the book. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Gave you an option. That's there. great. Nice. Very nice. Let me check that out. I saw that pop up on the. Have you ever seen that, Brian? Plex. I have not. Yeah. I didn't know if that no. you see. It's interesting. Yeah, it's cool. I think you. I think you'll like it. It's a good kind of. Uh, it's a good Brian movie. I think. Nice. I'll check it out. I started '90s today. The '90s today. I heard. Yeah, time. that's awesome, man. I hope it's you. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's really good. So good. So good. He has. We talked about it last week, I guess, with Shane. But that was. Uh, he just. He's so good at saying the thing that I'm like trying to formulate in my head. You know, like yeah. oh, this is a. I really agree with your point. And then he says the thing I'm like, gosh, dang it. That is the perfect way to say yeah. what, what I was trying to, uh, trying to put together. So I, I greatly appreciate that. Uh, my rec this week is a, an album 
that came out, uh, I believe, on Friday. It is uh, the Band of Horses. Things are great. Yeah, I've heard uh, that's really good. I haven't. I've heard a really single good. from it, but that's it. Yeah. I, yeah, glad they're back. Me too. It's been like six years yeah. since they've uh, done an album, and uh, I liked the last album. It was it was different. It was a little bit weird compared to sure. the rest of their their album work, but I I dug it. I thought it was it was pretty pretty cool. I I don't think it got great reviews, but you know whatever. Um, but this is really good. It's 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 very. Um, I'm not sure how singly it is, but but as an album front to back, it plays really well and um, has just great vibes and and uh so yeah i, re- I really dig. band of horses is one of my favorite bands that i don't often think of as one of my favorite bands if that makes sense it's like if you if you just ask me hey what are some of your favorite bands i'm not sure that that would come up and then yeah a band of horses song will hit spotify i'm like gosh dang i love this i love this song i love this band so good good vibes good jam uh and the I, I, I think you i think you boys uh, i don't know where you stand on on band of horses kent but it it flows really well with um like some of their their previous stuff a little, little different oh. from from the last album well i just think it's impressive that they got that many horses to play instruments <laughs> i mean that's just, an accomplishment play instruments and then to record albums <laughs> multiple albums yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, wow. That Heck, that's yeah. a yeah. logistical challenge. <laughs> yeah, I got the Yellowstone guy to play the horses. I assumed uh, six years without a record. I thought that sounds like glue. But uh, <laughs> yeah, big back. big uh, big they, doping they scandal with the Bafferts. The so, was, yeah, yeah, there there may be a dead horse <laughs> or two. Yeah. Great Baffert. That's our first Bob Baffert reference on oh, the podcast. Not, not the last. <laughs> not the last. Well, um, I. I don't think I've followed them really that much. What's the one I've listened to is like everything all the time or something. Maybe a decade. That was the last. I think or no, that wasn't the last one. I'm, I'm, uh, last I was, was into them like in 2010. Was like the last mm-hmm. time I fully like been around them. for a long time. Yeah. Um, and are sort of spread. They changed the lineup pretty con- pretty constantly. The one with the green like, cover is what I'm thinking. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is very good. Infinite Arms was like the first album. I think that was like 2010, 2012, something like that. That was the one where I was like, okay, I'm really into Maybe this. Maybe that's the one I can listen to some of the other, the other stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's it it's very good. They're touring with the Black Keys, who also have a new album out this week. You remind me of the Black Keys in just terms of bands that everything all the time is what I'm thinking of. Um, okay. 2006. Yeah, uh, yeah, they remind me of them just in terms of like, if you were to ask me my favorite bands, they probably wouldn't come up. But if I were to see them live, you know, and I'd be like, man, these, these guys might be one of my favorite bands. You know, you always forget about them. And yeah, exactly. And, you know, Arcade Fires in that same boat. Uh-huh. Avid yeah. Brothers. You hear a random Avid Brothers song. You're like, man, these guys are pretty good. Why don't I listen to them more? And it's pretty, uh, yeah. Ken yeah. and I got out in the Mam Fam in, in the world. and We uh, did. We saw a concert. We saw a concert together this week with Mr. Greatness. Brian. One Black of your Pumas. favorites. I've recommended Black Pumas. It was there was great so greatness. Good. So good. So crowded. It was. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I kept this having is... to pace. <laughs> if you're a follower of the of the pod, like right at around the pandemic, I saw them and recommended them yep. at a venue in Dallas and they played for like three hundred people. And this last one Richard and I saw them at was five thousand. <laughs> So like yeah, to go from three hundred to five thousand people in the five thousand. Oh, they had to have had. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. oversold. And yeah, to go from three hundred to five thousand might be the biggest jump I've ever seen in in Dallas <laughs> mm-hmm. history. That's that's impressive. 
Black Pumas. Yeah, they've exploded. Recommend. It's awesome. It's awesome. This whole funk soul kind of rejuvenation oh, yeah. thing is awesome. It has Abraham Alexander really opened cool. for him, who's another Fort Worth, yeah, yeah. Leon Bridges export, um, who's uh-huh. very similar to Leon, if you like that. So check out Abraham Alexander great. as well. All that stuff's good. All right. Well, boys, this has been fun. It's always good to talk Pixar. We'll have to do it again in, uh, in a couple of months. All right. We'll do uh, we'll do Lightyear in, in June. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a listener. Uh, if you want more of us, I can't imagine. I'm sure all of our wives agree. <laughs> Why? Why would yeah. anyone want more of you? Uh, but it, Your but wife if you loves Cat and I. <laughs> yeah. Not a big fan of me, yeah. but uh, but that's fine. I, I get it. Um, if you want more. You want to go to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Sign up for that VIP feed. Get another episode every week, plus all kinds of other fun stuff like access to an exclusive Discord so you can talk to like-minded moviegoers and and viewers and and us occasionally, but more so all of the the better people uh, Mm. who are in that Discord. So sign up for that. The throwback this week will be 21 Jump Street. Very excited to talk to you guys about that. One of the funniest movies of the decade. And then uh, next week, we have the second installment of our Denzel Washington retrospective, which I'm very excited about as well. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.